Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I'm a social media marketer, writer, and mom to three boys ages 5, 3, and 18 months. And I'm Terilyn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids ages 10, 8, 5, and 3. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. Okay, everybody, I have a facepalm today, and that is last night. So we record, as you guys know, Felicia and I record, we meet at 530 in the morning. And on the night before our recordings, I go with my daughters to... Uh, an acro class where we're doing like, you know, lifts and things. And it's so fun, but it's late. It's the mm-hmm. latest class I go to. It's really the only weeknight where I'm staying up late and I'm having my kids stay up late. And anyway, guys, we got back. First of all, we stayed way late. Like the class was over and we're like doing handstands and <laughs> playing on the hoops. Cause there were other people there and it was so fun. So fun. But wow. Like, it was embarrassing. Like, I was like, okay, guys, it's bedtime. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? Let's do this because I wanted to. It was ridiculous. It was so fun. So we came home, and we're all, like, hyped up on the fun of the class. So then I get out chocolate chip cookies, and we start dipping them in milk and, just, like, laughing and talking. It was fun. It was, like, hanging out with my girlfriends. But, again, this is a weeknight, guys. School night. Podcast morning. And as we're going to bed to my 10-year-old, I'm like, oh, we really need to go to bed because it's podcast tomorrow morning. And she's like, mommy, you wake up at five every morning, no matter what. And I'm like, I know, but podcast mornings feel different because <laughs> we have to meet a little earlier. Like, I don't like a leisurely. Yeah. It's usually I wake up at five and I don't have to be somewhere until six. This time I have to be somewhere at 530. So seriously, I mean, I probably said 10 times and my girls were just laughing at me because I'm like, okay, guys, really let's do it this time but it wasn't them convincing me it was me keep you know i'm like you know what guys you know what? let's we're even at home i'm like let's try this back bend like i was just not feeling and then my girls go to bed and what do i do go into the bathroom wash my face start like playing music like i'm a teenager and stayed up for another 45 minutes just like listening to soulful music daydreaming in my bathroom like so what funny. is happening but this morning when my alarm went off you're feeling it. I did not wake up on my own before my alarm went off. I was mid-sleep cycle. And I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I and mean, I stayed up for a full two hours more than I needed to last night. Oh, oh. After the class. Oh, like, my. stayed late, then came home, then partied more, then daydreamed forever in my bathroom. Ridiculous. And I didn't even see my husband's face. So I love it because my husband home. has been like, yeah, we, we like go to bed and then... We get ready to watch a show, but then Terlin, she washes her face for like 45 <laughs> minutes, <laughs> which is so funny because all of us ladies know how much longer it takes to be a girl. It does take longer. I also brush my teeth at night. <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at the Unlike microphone. some like. other people we know. <laughs> but yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm, Even when I try to go longer. fast... And I always listen to a book, usually not music. It's usually Which a book. Which makes you go slower. Even when I try to go fast, I feel like I might Pause. not be paying attention. <laughs> yeah. There's probably moments, yeah, where I'm like halfway, like <laughs> pausing about to grab the soap and just uh-huh. frozen there. Uh-huh. So yeah, I am a little slow. Uh-huh. And now that I'm, I, my husband usually always falls asleep during the shows, but I've actually, I've started doing it too. If it's, oh, if it's too late. Yeah. I just can't, I can't I stop also it. have that weakness of falling asleep in shows. It's hard not to. That makes me excited to have older kids. Like, I feel like Cohen's getting to that where we have sometimes where it's like we're just laughing and talking, but you know when they're little. Yeah, but and they start like, to yeah. But it felt like friends. girlfriends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so cute. Okay, so my um, face palm is <laughs> a funny story. So Lenny, my three-year-old, loves. Um, he has this little wallet. It's actually my old wallet, so it's hilarious because it's like a long, like woman's wallet. <laughs> a clutch. Yeah, clutch. <laughs> That's cute. And he just like collects valuable things to him in it. So like he has a ton of like Nerf gun bullets, and then he finds like old, <laughs> like he has like a Chick Fil A card that is actually worth like a free ice cream cone oh. that he is just like protecting for, you know, 
years to come till he decides he wants to cash in on it. But now he started to like get the the whole money thing. Like him and Cohen have been into earning money, doing jobs, and Cohen literally hasn't like doesn't keep track of the money at all. Like he supposedly has a wallet and a money jar, but who knows where he actually puts it? It just ends up like back in our junk drawer or something like these quarters but Lenny collects his money and is like real like precise about like keeping it in his little zipper in his wallet and he started now bringing it to the store and he's, so, he's three he's as three. a reminder <laughs> so cute it's so funny and he'll like like oh mom I gotta get my wallet in case I need to buy something when we go to the store so he like brings his wallet, but the face palm, that's all cute, but the face palm of this is obviously he's three, so he doesn't understand anything about how money works when it comes to cost of things. He thinks everything is one money, which is any of the monies, <laughs> quarter, penny, dime. And so when we go to the store, he's like, all anything, like the world is his oyster. So he's like, okay, mom, I'm going to buy this. $8 bag of airheads and then it's like this whole process of explaining like how many quarters that actually costs and everywhere we go is just okay so I have 20 monies so he starts like 20 monies <laughs> 20 items yeah 20 monies 20 <laughs> yeah, items all his stuff and the other day we went through the dollar <clears throat> little section at Target and he act like he wanted something that was three dollars mm-hmm. and I was like he literally has a ton of quarters in there. I was like, okay, so this is 12 quarters, like, you know, and, like, helped him count it out. And, like, he just looks at me. His eyes get really big. Like, for this, it was, like, a stupid, like, flown little squishy thing. He, like, looks at me. He's like, this costs all my quarters. <laughs> like, you could tell it clicked. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I'm not getting it. Like, that's, he had this moment of, like, that's not worth all my quarters. That's a high which five. Which was huge. So that part's a high five. That is a high five. Yeah, That's you're right. Awesome. <laughs> that is good. I love it. But the whole time in the store, extra thirty minutes of explaining all the things he has yes. to put back. That part's the baseball. But the clicking to the money thing, because Cohen, I swear, he doesn't understand. That's <laughs> like impressive. Len's getting it. Like this has yeah. taken me some work to collect these quarters. It's really cute. Because he's earned the money. Oh, I mm-hmm. love that. He also at the park the other day brought. He had bought with his monies. Yeah. <laughs> He bought treats and brought them and shared yeah, them did. with everybody. It was super cute. Was so sweet. And all the kids, you could tell, were like, you bought this <laughs> and you're sharing it? I mean, that was cute. That's really sweet. Yeah, he's cute. His monies. Well, that's a total high five. Well, today we are going to be talking about an awesome subject, which is nature and being in the wild. And we have two, well, one main book that we're going to be referring to, and it's called Last Child in the Woods. By Richard, I don't know how to say it. I'm going to say Louvre because it sounds French, mm-hmm. um, but it's not spelled like that. It's spelled L-O-U-V. Louvre? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then another book that uh, some of these statistics come from that I really loved is called The Nature Fix by Florence William. And Last Child in the Woods is all about kids and how being in nature is so good for kids. He's coined a term that he calls nature deficit disorder that he, he actually goes through and explains how kids are spending less and less time outside and how it's directly correlating with other disorders that are being diagnosed that are actually mm-hmm. medical diagnoses. This is just a term, not a mm-hmm. medical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And what we can do to help our kids actually get that time in nature back, which is so soothing for their souls and their minds. And The Nature Fix by Florence Williams, I really enjoyed that one because it's all about literally how nature is medicine. Mm-hmm. And there are, I mean, countries out there who are doing huge scale research on, I mean, in some of the Asian countries, they actually have been experimenting with prescribing time in nature as part of your, your prescription. And they're so finding cool. it's more effective. And then they have these like nature healing forests where you actually go to the forest, you spend a certain amount of time walking through this path and actual really cool. Not just like we all know that being in nature is good for us. But it's cool to see research come back of like it actually depression, anxiety, like all these things can be more effective than medicine. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. being in nature is awesome. And we're going to talk about why it's awesome and also how to get ourselves and our kids out of Mm -hmm. nature a little more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I love how you said ourselves because this book is focused on kids 
but um, it I think it all applies to us too because if we want our kids to be more in nature, we need to be more in nature and make it a priority. So, and our mental <clears throat> health. I mean, those of you listening, it's your life, your mind, really. Right. I mean, yeah. your own happiness is super. Your own wholeness. That's what mm-hmm. I should say. Your own wholeness is super important. Mm-hmm. And. We can't teach anything we don't model. Mm -hmm. And all of us, uh, well, I don't know, at least I feel this, like pull towards um, more serenity and seclusion, nature, that feeling of um, when you, you know, you go on a hike or you're outside, even in my backyard, how it heightens our senses and I do feel more full and more peaceful and calm and alive when I'm in nature. And we don't get that, frankly, a lot. In fact, there's this, a statistic in this book that says that 5% of the total time in our life is spent <clears throat> on leisure, being in nature, in outside in leisure. So, like, not doing a structured activity. Mm. So, it's like free time in nature, 5% mm. of our life. And I don't know the exact statistic of like past generations, but we obviously just know through common sense that people over time spent way more time Mm. outside in nature, farming. And I see this direct correlation between like the stress and anxiety and all those different kinds of things happening with our brains that pulls me towards that solitude of nature. Um, I actually just read a book, <laughs> this is in the books we're talking about, but it's called Sapiens. And in it, he actually, he goes in depth talking about our brains and how in specifically before agriculture. So like hunter gatherers, mm-hmm. most specialists, most whatever they're called, anthropologists mm-hmm. agree that um, obviously as humans before, I mean, literally just until the past few centuries, we spent a lot more time outside in general, mm-hmm. but there's directed and undirected, like Felicia was just talking about. Mm-hmm. There's when you're trying to get food, mm-hmm. that would be directed, uh, but undirected is just that kind of like leisure. You can go wherever your mind wants to take you. And the amount of time it takes to get the food for a hunter gatherer compared, they still had half of their day generally. Again, this is stereotype, you know, mm-hmm. generalizing Left. here, mm-hmm. but was just literally free. You can socialize, you can walk through the woods, whatever, Mm -hmm. but that perhaps, the hypothesis is that perhaps, because as humans, that is our natural state, that's why we're having so many issues, mental issues, Mm -hmm. because we're we're spending so much time in a place that our bodies and our minds aren't necessarily made for. You know what I mean? Right. All of our ancestors never spent this much time staring at a screen inside a box. Yeah. And... I love, we've talked about this a lot. I love the time we live mm-hmm. in. I'm pumped that we live now. Mm-hmm. But can we take some of that knowledge and spend more time outside and perhaps alleviate a lot of that issues that come up with living in a in a way that our brains aren't used to? Yeah. And <clears throat> uh, Richard talks about in the book how being in nature, I'm sorry, guys, our table is like super squeaky if you can hear that, yeah. but we are not touching it. It's a ghost table. I'm sorry. It's just like singing in the background. (laughs) So sorry. Um, But he talks about how um, being out in nature, nature, nature more creates more community and it lessens isolation. So a lot of these like big mental like breakdowns we're seeing happen in our time are a lot of the times caused from the isolation feeling of, you know, when you're on a screen, that's like a it's a two-dimensional, like you're not using all your senses. So our brains work better when we're using all our senses, and especially kids. Kids, children learn through using all their senses. And so his big argument is how if our kids are a lot of the times on screens, they're not developing the spatial awareness, all of this stuff that contributes to the success of their future knowledge Mm -hmm. so like you have to learn how to be able to like jump and spin in a circle before you can learn math like it is directly correlated Mm -hmm. like your Mm -hmm. physical to your you know mental so that's one of his big arguments to 
being outside more. Mm-hmm. It keeps our senses from like dying off and gives us those direct personalized experiences with real life. I love that. And how it also affects your social social cues. We talked about this actually in one of our last ones um, with independent play. But that social cues actually do use a huge portion of our brain. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, in fact, I love that part of the book where he talks about social play. Do you want to mm-hmm. explain that? Because that was really cool. I loved how you said that. The Sorry, which part of it? Which part of social play? When you have how play in a structured area is usually... Oh, Mm-hmm. choppy mm-hmm. and yes. hierarchical depending on the mm-hmm. size of the children. Yeah. So they did this study of they took two groups of kids and they put one group in a play area where it's like more like asphalt cement like playground and then one group into a wild just like nature play area <clears throat> and they showed that the play group who played on like the cement asphalt was one they um, the people with the most physical size (laughs) took like control of the group they didn't play well across gender or age groups and their play was like super choppy so like it would get interrupted and they would feel this frustration before they came up with like something new like it wasn't continual play but the kids were playing in nature their play like went for days on end like they would have these like elaborate things they were playing and like these imagination things and then the next day it would continue and they crossed across gender and age groups and there didn't there wasn't any real split up in like oh I'm the bigger kid so Mm -hmm. I'm in charge it Mm -hmm. was like everyone played well together and after when they like tested these kids the ones in the nature group showed like higher language um inventiveness and creativity just after like these few days of play that's amazing yeah it was really cool that's amazing and the teamwork that is required i think in nature also this goes back to social stuff is different mm-hmm. than it requires on a playground mm-hmm. to be clear i love playgrounds too yeah love but parks. you know what i mean yeah. but there is something about the teamwork required. I mean, if you've ever seen our four little boys try to lift a log. Oh, yeah. You know, they have <laughs> to really so work true. together. Mm-hmm. And they're tiny. and mm-hmm. But they're trying to all lift it to go take it over to their fort or whatever mm-hmm. they're building. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Totally. That's, and also, I just want to clarify. When I mentioned earlier about mental illness, I am not at all suggesting that we have not had mental illness in our right. human existence for a long yes. time. It's always been a part of this, but obviously there has been a rise in a lot of different things that mm-hmm. I think nature could help mm-hmm. relieve, mm-hmm. alleviate. Okay, so what are the specific benefits for the kidlets, not just everybody? Um, <clears throat> so one that I've seen firsthand that I just wanted, it doesn't like flow with all of this, but um, Richard men- mentions it in the book, and so I thought for me it was worth bringing up, and that is... Um, how it creates a relationship with um, their food. So, like, my Mm. husband takes our boys fishing and sometimes hunting and whatever your moral things are about any of those things aside, even if you're saying gardening or picking berries, like, having your kids um, have that, like, sensory experience and knowledge of where their food comes from, I think is huge for not just just being picky and what they'll eat but just knowing like not everyone just walks into the store and gets like this perfectly plastic wrap wash thing of berries like there is a process and I think it helps them respect that food source more especially if you're eating meat I think it helps you respect the Mm -hmm. it's a life like there was a thing that was alive and it's sometimes hard to remember that when you just get it perfectly packaged. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think it gives a huge... I mean, like, we went hunting, me, my brother, and my dad, and we took some of our kids a couple weeks ago. I couldn't even waste the meat. Like, mm-hmm. I was almost done eating, and it was like, I have to eat two more bites, which mm-hmm. I know goes against hunger cues. But <laughs> but it was because I didn't want to waste. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was like a... I, like, valued it more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. Yep. And I see that in... So they did like a little duck hunt and I don't even partake because I'm like, I don't like it. But, but I, you know, if I had shot it, but I would be I was feeling there. that. You're right. Cause and I my, was there. I was like, I'm yeah, going to eat this. Yeah. And my five-year-old, it's so funny. Cause like Turlin can vouch. It doesn't taste 
really that good. Like wild duck. It's no. fine. Yeah, it's fine. If you're starving. It's acceptable. Yeah. yeah. But my <laughs> my five-year-old is like, you know, like loves it, helping prep it. And he's like, mm, dad, I want more. I want more duck. <laughs> and I'm like, you want more duck? But so, he's been a part of a But whole yeah, it's like that operation. connection. So again, whatever it is, if you don't eat meat, gardening, going out and picking berries or, you know, picking apples, growing them on a tree, whatever, teaching your kids that connection, I think is huge. Um, it gives them that just direct experience. So some stats here, 40% of five to eight year olds. So just this specific group, which is crazy to me because Cohen's five have cardiac risk factors. Um, and if you are our age, like growing up, I think about how much I was just like constantly playing outside and running and like that feel you feeling of total health it makes my heart hurt literally to think of like these kids that just aren't getting outside enough not moving enough not having enough of this energetic play Mm -hmm. that you know they're having these physical and mental increases so that's one benefit um it also helps your kids explore their home and where they live. So some interesting things that that Richard talks about in the book is that kids have um, a heightened like global concern. Like they're, oh my gosh, like the ice caps are melting or, you know, they know where Portugal is, whatever. But they, a lot of kids don't know what's right here in front of them. So like they couldn't name five animals that live Mm -hmm. in the area of the U.S. or wherever you live. Um, Which the global knowledge is great to have, but let's not sacrifice also Mm -hmm. the knowledge of where we live because we, we all know this it's, it's way, I mean, this is with anything, humanitarian work, all that stuff. It's really important and wonderful to know Mm -hmm. what's happening on the other side of the world and to Mm -hmm. help there. Mm -hmm. However, I think when we sacrifice being blind to the needs around us, it sometimes lets us off the hook in our brains. Mm Mm-hmm. And not totally. actually helping people mm-hmm. that are close to us because there's mm-hmm. need all around us. And I yep. think it's kind of the same concept with nature that really it's our direct experience where sometimes we have the most profound, mm-hmm. uh, deep connections. And that can lead us to helping things across mm-hmm. the world as well. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to we don't want to just abandon that that connection all mm-hmm. around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the other interesting statistics in Last Child in the Woods is that when kids move from rural so places where there's a lot of open space to urban places which are like downtown in a city they have shown increased adhd which they Mm -hmm. theorize is connected because there's a decrease in energetic free play Mm -hmm. and it has an especially strong effect on boys so Mm -hmm. that's another statistic that is really sad yeah and when i was reading this book because i have three boys obviously but i was just like you know like flashers going off and all kids have this but um they just i people we do a lot more inside sitting all that kind of stuff so we have to be purposeful about getting our kids out um so the next little thing that nature does is promote creativity and I love this it kind of relates to our last um topic of independent play but um getting outside in nature is it opens up your mind so in the book he talks about how it's like a box of loose parts with no instruction manual so if you think about when kids play with toys even open-ended toys it's you know the legos you are going to build some sort of item or you know cars you're going to drive them around but I see with my kids when they get outside and there's sticks and dirt and water and trees they come up with all sorts of imaginative things that are combining all their senses and something really interesting is I think a lot of times as parents we feel like you know you get that feeling of like oh they're not learning something they're not doing something productive or like honing a skill um, but I think if we can let go a little bit of a little bit of that and see that they are experimenting, you know, they're learning weights and angles and tying knots and they're having these big problems like, okay, we want to make this, you know, ramp, but we need to do X and X and you hold this side. They are 
they are learning a lot mm-hmm. in their free play. Yeah. Like, I don't think we need to be concerned with their learning. <laughs> yeah. Tons of spatial reasoning mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Another benefit of being outside in nature. And when we say outside, uh, there's in nature fix, she actually talks about the, the best for our brains is wild. Mm-hmm. So the more wild, the better, mm-hmm. but any outside is good. So mm-hmm. she actually tears it and they've done studies on people's brains, how fast it takes you to like have the benefits of it. And it just takes a little, you know, maybe half an hour in your backyard is equal mm-hmm. to 10 minutes in like a forest, wild. Mm-hmm. but they're all great. So any getting outside here mm-hmm. is awesome. So anytime we say that getting outside, just all of it, mm-hmm. any of it's great, but yeah. the more wild, the more you get this kind of, freedom feeling in your brain but one of the other benefits is it teaches you and your kids especially how to manage their own risks so there's nothing like climbing a tree and falling out of it to make you realize that might have been a little bit too high yeah. for me mm-hmm. or that branch I didn't test it before I mean because I tell my kids all the time we have you know we have all sorts of things when they climb trees make sure you have three of your limbs touching it at all times mm-hmm. and make sure you assess the strength of a tree limb mm-hmm. before you put yourself on it all those Mm -hmm. kinds of things it's nothing like grabbing onto a dead one though Mm -hmm. that makes you realize without a mom telling you every Mm -hmm. second you know what i mean so they're actually they're actually they're figuring out how high can they jump off of something you know what i mean it all those kinds of things is so good for their brains to be able to manage their own risks and they've actually done a lot of cool studies about this but if kids can learn to manage their own risks at a young age it makes it later when they are out in the world without somebody hovering over them, there's a lot of really huge risks you can take when you start becoming a teenager. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, high risk substance behavior. There's high risk sexual behavior. There's all sorts of risks. Mm-hmm. And if you've never learned how to manage your own risks when it's small, it can be very difficult for mm-hmm. kids to be able to manage mm-hmm. their own risks as an adult or a teenager. So I like to look at it as him jumping off that rock he is analyzing his own risk. Can can I jump off it? Can mm-hmm. I land it well? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they jump off mm-hmm. it. It's like, oh, that was a little bit too high. And you can tell they go to a smaller rock the next time. Mm-hmm. And another, and this is, ah, we know, Felicia and I know this is a really controversial subject. We're going to give our opinion on it. But mm-hmm. just, you know, we know it's controversial. Mm-hmm. Another risk that they learn to manage, um, because one of the big barriers that uh, they, he talks about in Last Child in the Woods is a lot of kids parents don't let their kids outside because they're afraid they're going to get stolen, kidnapped. Mm -hmm. And how that fear has brought kids indoors. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we know it's controversial, Mm -hmm. but we'll tell you, and there's, we've read stuff that backs this up, but again, you got to go with what you feel on this, but both Felicia and I, how I teach my kids is that most strangers, I don't use the word stranger danger because... Mm-hmm. Most strangers you ever come in contact with, we, we come in contact with strangers all the time mm-hmm. at the store, at the mm-hmm. park, whatever. And mostly they're great, wonderful people. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't want my kids to be afraid of every person they don't know. Mm-hmm. However, what I have told my kids is anytime you get a feeling that whether it's the way they look or the way mm-hmm. you feel on the inside, you just, you don't have to be friendly. Mm-hmm. You can just walk away, come mm-hmm. straight back to me or leave or whatever. Mm-hmm. Also, if somebody looks and acts and you still feel like they're a nice person but they ask you to do something that's against the boundaries that we've set as a family which mm-hmm. is if they <laughs> this is so funny but if they offer you something and ask you to come with them mm-hmm. if they ask you to even get close to their car if it's like a weird situation and an adult's coming up to you and yeah like trying to engage you and you're feeling like oh, why are they talking to mm-hmm. me this is weird mm-hmm. all those situations no politeness required you just get out of the situation mm-hmm. if you're feeling in danger make a lot of noise and get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about what those boundaries are, what it looks like, how to use judgment mm-hmm. on the inside of you. But when you're at the store and somebody says hello to you, you can actually have really good manners back. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there's been a few times, you know, where they're walking from, now that my kids are a little older, you know, they'll be walking with their friends from one place to the other and there are no parents right by them. Mm-hmm. And it's cute because all of them have been educated on how to interact with strangers. If yeah. somebody is just passing you and they say hello, you can say good Hi. afternoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But if somebody somebody offered them a sticker once and like all of them were like, no, nope, abort. <laughs> we just don't, we don't accept things that people are offering us because that's no just a boundary that we've yes. set. Even though the person mm-hmm. was, I'm sure was nice, but mm-hmm. that's just something we just don't do. So I think there are ways you can teach your kids 
to still be safe without being fearful of every single person mm-hmm. they ever see and never letting them have any time mm-hmm. in the wild. Yeah. So I think those are all, I don't know. That's and I think also probably controversial, and I've talked with a lot of people about this, but just sharing my feelings when it comes to along the same lines of assessing risk. So that physical risk of jumping off stuff that Terlin was mentioning or, you know, going with your gut feeling on interacting with people. But also, I think a lot of parents are fearful of things like roads and cars, their kids even leaving their back, you know, their backyard or even like just like risks that are outside. Um, I've seen with my own kids, you know, maybe I'm watching from the window while I'm giving them a little bit more space, but I've seen them learn and assess those risks and be aware of those risks for themselves instead of every single time me being like, don't cross the road, don't cross the road, don't cross the road. Now it's more, now my olders know how to cross a road. Again, controversial. I'm not saying let your kids cross whatever road you live on, but I think it does allow them to learn more and assess their own risks if we give them that little bit of freedom. After you've taught them, like I'm sure you spent some time going right. over the, this yeah. is what we do, yeah. and age appropriately, you know what I mean? Right, so exactly. I yeah. those are all good. Yeah. Felicia had a really cool situation in her last house where it was like the end of a road. So they got mm-hmm. to practice the whole road mm-hmm. thing without mm-hmm. any through traffic, yeah. which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And also, I just want to clarify too, for me, like my older kids, I let walk places. But of course, my two youngers, I'm not like setting them yeah. <laughs> walk to school. Yeah. Well, even as I say that, there's nothing wrong if you're having your kids yeah. watch the school either. Yeah. But for you just have to assess where you feel like your kids are at. Mm-hmm. And another quick thing that has actually helped me a lot in helping my kids feel safe and me in my instruction to them that I read somewhere. But that if they ever do need help and they're in a crowd situation and I'm not there or they're feeling unsafe for whatever reason, to go find a mom who's with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you're at a park and you're feeling a little iffy because mm-hmm. somebody's coming up and talking to you. No, that'd be weird because I'd probably usually be there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. but you can go. You're, it's a good assumption. It's like a safe person. Stereotyping mm-hmm. again. But mm-hmm. if you can find a mom with kids, you're at the grocery store and you're lost. Mm-hmm. Go find a mom with kids. Mm-hmm. And anyway, mm-hmm. so. And all these are tricky things that you have to, you know, weigh out. And it's decisions we all make. Yeah. But I think for yeah. me, if I give them that little bit. And, like, when Terrell says, like, walking places, even if, like, you know, they want to go, like, a couple houses around to, like, Terrell's house when I'm at Parker's parents. When they first did that, I would, like, feel that little bit. You know, that mom, like, can't see him. Can't see him. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, like, you're starting yeah. to sweat just a titch. Uh-huh. But I know in my <laughs> my logical mind they're safe. If I can do, a, you know, like, just start small because... I, I think in the end, it will be a lot less stress mm-hmm. <laughs> if and then all of a sudden you do it like cold turkey, like you can never leave my side. And then now you're 10. Now you can walk to school. Yes. <laughs> I guess that's a little more stressful. It's so cute to see their faces, though, when they make it to my house. Oh. Because in these situations, I mean, Felicia's usually texting me like, have they made it? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So we as parents know they're safe. But you should see their little faces when they come they're walking so in the house like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we just walked I in. just came here by myself. <laughs> you know? So it's really cute. It really is. All right, we are going to take a break and come back with some fun ideas on how to get you and your kidlets outside more. Okay, so I'm sure a lot of people, and I felt this, are thinking, you know, like our schedules are so packed so how can we do this more at least whenever this is the second time I've read this book and whenever I read it I'm like oh I've got to schedule in some more you know like nature time (laughs) um and something that I wanted to share from the book that I thought was really interesting is that there's been like a correlated rise in organized sports and childhood obesity so both going up um which is interesting because Obviously, playing more sports, like playing sports isn't making kids obese, but the argument in the book is that a more scheduled and like packed childhood is correlated to a rise in obesity. And that could be connected to 
the foods you're eating when you are really busy and mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. There's tons of factors in that. But I, I thought that was interesting to know and to think about as parents, how can we like allow our child or give our child that free time and I think you know it could be related to so many things like stress or anything yeah um but the organized sports although they're awesome mm -hmm. don't this doesn't count as wild time Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and there's also something to be said here about uh, I don't know if I'm because this is like my platform here well not mine there's actually a ton of research behind it but that lots sometimes in the wild a lot of times we take off our shoes Mm-hmm. And there's huge benefits to our bodies when mm-hmm. we are actually connecting. It just sounds so, as I'm saying, it sounds so like, <laughs> you know, wild child. But this is to- this is me. And it is. There are mm-hmm. really grounding. cool studies out there. It's grounding. Mm-hmm. So, and the whole thing is if you spend all your day at school and then you just go play a sport and then you're inside for the rest of your day. Although playing the sport is awesome and there are so many benefits to it. You never actually touch, you never actually touch mm-hmm. the ground. Mm-hmm. Whereas... Think how many times you're in nature, you're putting your feet in a creek mm-hmm. or you want to get a better grip so you take off your shoes so you can climb the tree mm-hmm. and that just adds to all the benefits of nature. So. And if I just think about my own kids, if they're just going to play outside, they don't often put on their shoes. Mm-hmm. Where you're, if you're like going to a sport, you always put on shoes. You're yes. going somewhere, even to parks and stuff, you yes. usually put on shoes. And even if you have your shoes on, when you're in the wild, you're still touching the earth with your hands mm-hmm. you're crawling you're climbing mm-hmm. so even if you have shoes on you're still having a lot more contact mm-hmm. with the earth than mm-hmm. you do in almost any organized thing yeah so. totally um and another stat that helps me let go of some mom guilt is i in i don't know at least for me i feel this pressure and i've talked about it before to have my kids in all the things and they're getting behind and they're not going to go to olympics and yada yada <laughs> But, um, so Richard shares this survey of Finland's educational program. And so they don't start like traditional schooling until age seven. Um, But in all the testing, they have the highest test scores. And when they survey the kids, the kids, for whatever factors they're testing for, I'm not sure, are the happiest Hmm. in their childhood. So they report feeling the most joy. And they also are the most highly skilled in, like, uh, physical fundamentals. So jumping, like, um, crossbody, correlating, like, right to left, knowing directions, all those sort of mm-hmm. things, with this con- which is then connected later in life to math and reading skills. Interesting. Oh, and that's making me think developmental milestones. We know for early childhood, the developmental milestone is joy. Mm-hmm. And you know how if you don't actually fully develop that development in that developmental milestone, it's difficult to move on to the next. Mm-hmm. And in those later, you know, seven, eight, nine, where you're learning reading, multiplication, all those things, your ability to have done the joy thing, not that we give up on joy, mm-hmm. but that you're ready for that next developmental milestone a lot better. So maybe that's connected there. Yeah, that I'm makes just hypothesizing sense. Yeah. here. But why would they have better reading scores? I know. I've actually read a lot about the Finnish educational system, though. They have a lot of good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So there's, I bet, a lot of correlation with how they're teaching and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I like the connection that when you have the the freeness of feeling joy with unstructured mm-hmm. when you're small, how you actually can be better at the responsibility stage later when you're learning. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Totally. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, okay, so we're going to share some of our favorite tips for getting in nature. Okay, so my personal favorite is uh, just getting... So my so we live by the mountains, and we actually we moved here specifically for the mountains. We used to live just a little bit further away from the mountains, but I still... I think you can find wild pockets wherever you are. Mm-hmm. In, in Last Child in the Woods, he talks about how a lot of neighborhoods have one vacant lot. Mm-hmm. That is... Is it's wild to kids. So yeah. <laughs> wherever you are, I mean, in our last place, there was just like this corner of our backyard that was the most wild feeling. Mm-hmm. And I would just go out there with my kids and we would just be there. So mm-hmm. wherever your place is. But one of my favorite things is if you live in a place where you can go for a walk or go somewhere, for me, whatever makes it feel wild. It can be an open field. It can be trees. It can be an open, I love places with open views. Or where the trees are big enough to make me feel small. Those Mm -hmm. are kind of the things that make me Mm -hmm. feel that timeless. Mm -hmm. I could just be here for a while feeling. Uh, But every time I take my kids on hikes, so this is including literally when I take my girls on hikes, we go far. 
And when I take my boys on hikes and they're walking on their own two legs, we don't go as far. But all the time, every single time we go, we go to the place and we just play for a while. But I always make sure we just call it silent time. I actually set a timer on my phone. <laughs> you know, I bring my technology <laughs> into nature. But we actually have a time where it's like you have to be totally quiet and just listen. And what you do, and I tell my kids this, and they think it's the coolest thing ever. So if you want to try this with your kids, you can do it in your backyard, your front yard, wherever. But you have them be silent. So maybe, you know, with my boys, we'll do three minutes. And I say, I want you just to be quiet. And you can keep your eyes open or closed. But as you're quiet, you'll notice you get like super. This is how I describe to them. You're getting like superpowers. Mm-hmm. And it's true. If you start listening, if my if I close my eyes and I start listening in the mountains, it starts out, I can just hear some birds. And then as I'm quiet a little longer, I can now hear the grass start to move. Like it's almost like your senses are getting sharper as you focus on mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. Or if you're looking at something, you stare at a tree trunk for three minutes. And at first it looks like nothing. It just looks like a bunch of bark. And then as you stare at it, you start noticing these little insects that are crawling in and out. And then as you start it longer, you see these tiny, tiny things. It's like this whole life thing happening just on a piece mm-hmm. of tree a tiny in front little of you. world. Mm-hmm. And same thing with a rock. I mean, I've literally, I've done this with my kids where I'm just staring at a rock. And it just looks like a rock. And you start to notice these different pigments. And it's like your senses are becoming heightened just by being there. So it's awesome because anytime we've talked about this, but... There's no such thing as boredom when you're in the wild because mm-hmm. you can stare at a tree mm-hmm. and see so many cool things if you just stare at it long enough mm-hmm. or listen long enough. So I actually just took a youth group up on a hike to one of my favorite hikes above our house last week. And I made them do this at the top. We set a timer. And I said, just pay attention to see what comes up. Because it's, it's almost like an onion. Like the longer you sit, the more things you notice. And it was so cool to hear after the things they noticed. Things that... I mean, these are kids who, some of them hadn't ever hiked before, and they were all like, whoa, when I stared at the way the water was dripping on that leaf, I noticed this and this mm-hmm. and this, and I noticed these bugs that I'd never seen before because you never look that closely to see the tiny bugs. So that is one of my favorite tips. You can do it anywhere outside. Mm-hmm. Set a timer and tell them about the superpower of tapping into your senses. And the cool thing about tapping into your senses, it's a meditation technique, but it's just a way of getting really present in your own body, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Another one of my favorite tips is uh, we like to observe all kinds of life cycles. So, you know, if you find, we'll find like a praying mantis egg and we'll observe and watch it. Or, or if it's an insect egg, sometimes we'll bring it in and put it in a little terrarium in our house. Mm-hmm. And then we watch them hatch and then we take them back outside because mm-hmm. I don't want to be like actually maintaining all these life forms. <laughs> but, you know, we actually get to watch the life cycle mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. which is way cool. Uh and my husband laughs like one time he came home he comes home all the time and we'll just have some new bug in our house mm-hmm. and he's like <laughs> should <laughs> we be sleeping in this house while they put the bugs in here <laughs> but we love that another tip that i think is really fun that he mentions in the book that i haven't tried yet though but i'm gonna go home and try it uh he he recommends putting like a just a spare piece of like plywood or board on the ground outside on the mm-hmm. dirt and then you leave it for a few days. And then when you come back, you lift up the board and you see all the little creatures that have found refuge under all the bugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So just the kind of, I think, I think my biggest tip for having your kids enjoy time in nature, besides getting them there, and they're going to have a moment where their brains, just like all the things we talk about, independent play, all the things, taking away screens, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to have some moments of... In fact, my daughter just the other day, we were at the park and she's like, what should I do, mom? And I looked at her like, uh, like laugh, parent? like, how long have I been your parent? I didn't say that though. I said, well, you have this beautiful world here and you have the whole world in your mind. So mm-hmm. you take your pick, do mm-hmm. whatever you'd like. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to direct it. Like you, mm-hmm. you can do anything you want here. You're, you're probably going to have, if you take your kids right this second and they haven't spent a lot of time just free outside, mm-hmm. you take them to a place. Well, it depends on the place. Most kids jump right in and just Mm -hmm. do it but they might be like yeah i'm bored whatever Mm -hmm. you can just say you know what you they'll they'll get used to it totally just notice things if you just want to sit here that's totally fine Mm -hmm. so get the getting them out but my really the main tip i think is just being curious ourselves about this amazing world that we live in i mean there are whole entire life cycles ecosystems happening all around us in our backyards 
on the sidewalk. I mean, it's mm-hmm. so cool. And I think just mm-hmm. us being curious, I actually think personally, this is not backed up by research. Mm-hmm. I think our own curiosity actually has the biggest, strongest effect on our kids. Mm-hmm. And frankly, enriches our own life so much. If we can just stop and actually be curious about the beauty around us, mm-hmm. it adds so, so much to our bit. lives. And mm-hmm. it makes our life more about more than just laundry, mm-hmm. which is helpful. <laughs> There's so much laundry. Yeah, and along that same line, the curiosity, but also like modeling the love of nature and respect. Um, I know both my boys, now when we go anywhere, like, oh, mom, litter, and they like collect <laughs> yes. it and bring it over to throw yes. it away. We take a bag with us everywhere <laughs> now because we have a whole little crew of yeah. litter picker-uppers, which is so cute. I love and, it. Um, our five-year-olds, it was like one of their first days of school. Some kids wanted to squish some bug and they were like, <laughs> turn on their sirens, like, wee, wee, save the bug. And they like rescue him. What was it? Praying mantis? I can't remember. Or grasshopper? And they were like, you know, like, oh, heavens, no, we can't. And I'm not saying my boy squish bugs. Don't squish bugs. They do. But it was just cute. But they were aware. Because they mm-hmm. also know the good bugs. You know, they mm-hmm. know, like, praying mantises yeah. eat the pest bugs. Right. And I think it's cute that they know that. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't want to kill a praying mantis because mm-hmm. it's, it's actually going to eat the ones that eat the stuff that has yeah. our plants. You know? Totally. It's mm-hmm. cute. Okay. So some of my favorite tips, um, probably my most favorite with um, that has helped me facilitate them being more wild is um we talked about a little this a little bit on the independent play episode but that is letting go of the worry about mess and how play should look so for my boys outside that means like yeah they have their own little tool set and they have a bunch of sticks and wood and you know, like bungees and all this stuff that I would rather not have in my backyard in a big mess. And, you know, whenever they're building some sort of, they call them boo-boo traps or forts or, you know, they're making a big water mud pit. (laughs) It's sometimes hard as a parent not to be like, ah, this is like crazy out of control. But I've seen how much they love it and how good it is for their brain. So I've had to just be like, let go of that a little bit. Let go of how it should look. And better out than in is all right? I have to say. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. <laughs> they do make boo-boo traps inside. Yes. Yes. I have also cleaned those up. Yes. They're not as fun to clean. Yes. And then um, another tip. I tried this when my boys were littler, and it didn't go over big. They didn't really care. But now that Cohen is getting into more into writing and drawing. So whatever age your kid kid is, but once they're more into, like, drawing and all that kind of stuff um is to keep a nature journal so just when and this that sounds intense but it's really just like they find a bug and then they try to draw it and examine it and flip it over and see what it looks like on the bottom and all of that I really love doing that with Cohen um and then along the same lines with the food and that is I love the tip of planting a garden we've been We've planted small gardens in our houses, but then we've been moving and yada, yada. But um, so I don't have a ton of, I just have little examples of this, but my kids love planting a garden and harvesting it. Like, I don't think it it feels like a chore at all to Mm -hmm. them. And then they love tasting those things that they grow. Mm -hmm. So I really love that tip. I love, I love all those tips. (laughs) I need to be, well, never mind. (laughs) I would There's a like, time. There's a I would season. like to be better at gardening. <laughs> yes. Uh, two more statistics I just want to end with here to help you guys motivate you to really get out into nature yourselves and also help your kids get out into nature. In the book, The Nature Fix, uh, she shares this statistic, this research, that they have proven that as little as 15 minutes in the woods, so, and I'm going to expand that to any place that's wild, mm-hmm. has been shown to reduce test subjects levels of cortisol which is the stress hormone and increase nature exposure to 45 minutes if you can increase it to 45 minutes most individuals experience improvements in cognitive performance and connects to better social skills so wow Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. up to 45 minutes. 15 minutes reduces cortisol levels. And up to 45, if you can up it to 45, it goes all the way through your brain cognitively and into social really skills. really cool. Which is so cool. And I think, I don't know, I remember the thing about having experiences in nature is that I go back to, I can tell you countless times in my life where I have been in some kind of emotional distress and I have gone to nature for solace. And the beautiful thing about creating that habit loop inside of you is that now when I have the desire to numb something because it's painful, I'm feeling some distress on the inside of me, my my automatic response isn't for fast food mm-hmm. or for mindless binge watching. It's I crave going into nature mm-hmm. because because my parents allowed that to me as a child. Mm-hmm. So I found respite there before and mm-hmm. so it's where my brain wants to go now. Mm-hmm. And really that's what I want my kids to have. It doesn't I can't stop them from feeling the distress and the pain on the inside of them because that's what we experience all emotions here. But can I create a place for them to go and find that peace? Because there is actually true peace and true healing, I think, in nature, unlike those numbing techniques that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then one last statistic that I think is really cool, uh, the Human Environment Research Laboratory at the University of Illinois did a research study where they discovered children as young as five showed a significant reduction in ADHD disorder symptoms when they engage with nature. Mm -hmm. So literally... Not just, oh, it seems like it helps ADHD. Legitimately, in research studies, those symptoms go way down if you Mm -hmm. can spend more time in nature. So, again, this isn't a blanket statement about ADHD, Mm -hmm. but nature can only help. Yeah, I think the arguments for um, nature exposure, specifically with ADHD, are so compelling. And this book talks a a lot about it, but I think it's... It's obviously all connected. The screens, the inside time, all of those, I think, and I'm sure there's research to back this up that I don't have, but are connected to that rise in the physical symptoms that kids are having and the mental, um, you know, challenges mm-hmm. for kids. And there's no downside yeah. Right. You can use it. The beautiful thing about nature therapy, let's call that's what they call it in other countries, nature mm-hmm. therapy. It can be used in conjunction with any other treatments right. you're already doing mm-hmm. with no, what do they call it? No uh, side effects. Yeah. Or <clears throat> where you mix medications and it's a problem. Oh, mm-hmm. that word. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's lost to me right now, mm-hmm. but there's, there's none of that. You can, you can mix nature therapy mm-hmm. with anything. Mm-hmm. So no harm. All right, guys, let's find the magic. Brown cows.